Welcome to the New Era Property and Business Podcast. I'm Rick Gannon and I'm a property investor, trainer and mentor and best-selling author. If you are interested in any of our property mentoring services, then please contact me via my website, which is www.neweraPropertySolutions.co.uk. And please don't forget to take a look at my five times best-selling book, House Arrest. House Arrest is a manual for new property investors which shows you how you can replace your income by investing in property. That's available on Kindle, it's available on paperback and it's also available on the Audible store. Hi everyone and welcome to Cup of Tea with Rick G and today we're going to be getting right back to basics. Right back to basics for HMOs, you know we're still very new into 2018 and many of you have still probably got those New Year's resolutions that you still got to fulfil so it's still not too late and if you want to start HMO business and today we're going to cover lots of the basics that you need to know to get yourself moving forward. Now many of you will already know these but you know, repetition is the mother of all learning and every day is a school day. So if you are quite experienced with HMOs as well, just stick around. You might or you might not, as the case may be, and we might learn something. Um, so, you know, we've got some great tips to share on this podcast. So we're going to really rip it back, okay? Back down to basics to the very start. So what is the definition of an HMO? What is an HMO, okay? Now, don't forget that HMOs the definition of HMO is nothing to do with licensing and it's got absolutely nothing to do with planning. This is just simply what a HMO is, okay? We, we need something to define it, don't we? So your house is a house in multiple occupation if both of the following apply. At least three tenants live there forming more than one household and you share a toilet a bathroom or kitchen facilities with other tenants. So let me just repeat that. Your home is a house in multiple occupation, HMO, if both of the following apply. At least three tenants live there, forming more than one household, and you share a toilet, bathroom or kitchen facilities with other tenants. Now that is the definition of a HMO and that has come from www.gov.uk. So they're not, they're not my words, that is the national definition of an HMO. So if you've got three people forming more than one household with shared facilities, then yes, you've got an HMO. Okay, now don't forget, I mentioned this earlier, don't confuse this with Article 4 planning or licensing, okay? Because this is just a definition. It's neither licensing or planning. So why do we invest in HMOs? Lots of people come to me on a daily basis and they say, you know what, um, I'm going to invest in single lets first because I want to get some experience. And the bank have told me that I need experience first. So therefore, that's what I'm going to do. So I don't think that's the right advice, folks. Okay, Because if you're going to put your money into a project and if you're going to go into becoming a landlord, landlady, um, then you know why not do it properly and get paid for it as best you can? So you don't need 
a huge amount of experience to go straight into HMOs. In fact, you don't need any. And for those that are wondering about, you know, lending and, well, I can't get a mortgage. Well, maybe you don't have to buy the property. So maybe if you start thinking about the strategies that we use, such as uh, rent to rent, lease options, exchange with delay completions and all those kind of things, then potentially that will give you the experience that you need to move forwards when you decide eventually to start buying your own portfolio. So let's look at why we invest in HMOs. So we purchase or we control several income streams at once. So, for example, we can control a property that has six usable bedrooms, therefore giving us six separate streams of income. Now, when we say usable bedrooms, we don't mean you have to go out and buy or do a rent to rent on a six bedroom property. It could very well mean that you take over a four bedroom property and convert two of the communal areas downstairs. So you don't have to go out looking for six bedroom properties. And, you know, HMOs are more work than single lets. And let's get that out there now. Yes, they are going to be more work, but the rewards are also going to be twice as much. So HMOs versus single lets. Let's look at the simple comparison, okay? A single let property versus an HMO property. So let's say, presuming that the property is worth 150,000, you'll need to provide a deposit of about 25%, and that's where we say 75% loan to value, okay? So that's your commitment. So you're gonna have to put in on this example, £37,500. Now let's assume that the interest rate, and we're going to look at an interest only mortgage for this example, let's assume it's 6%. I know that's high. That is really high. We don't have any mortgages that we use that are going to be that high anytime soon. But if we can always stack towards 6%, it will give us loads of room to manoeuvre in the future in the event of any rent Uh, sorry, any rate increases on the mortgage. So we stress test to 6%. So the mortgage cost for this example, based on 150,000 less your 25,000 pound deposit at 6% is going to be 562 pound 50 a month. The stamp duty for this example as an investment property would be 5,000 pounds and a light refurbishment, possibly maybe 3,000 because it's going to be a single let. So maybe you might need new carpets, you might just need to paint, and then legal costs for conveyancing of about £1,000. So the total estimated cost for this example per month would be around £650. That's how much you're going to pay out per month, okay? So as this is a single let property, okay, so I just had a ping. So the total estimated cost per month for this property is going to be about £650 all in. So as this is a single let property, the rent based in our local area, because that's kind of all we can do really, may be around £845 a month for this particular deal. So that would leave you with a massive profit of £195 a month before tax. So what do you think of that, folks? Do you think that's a good deal? £195 a month in your pocket? Well, it could be. It could be for some of you, um, but, you know, the return on investment might not be that high. So how do we work out the return on investment or ROI? So for this example, we calculate the return on investment by using the following equation. So I don't know if you're able to write this down. Don't worry if you can't. You can always look back at it afterwards. So the ROI is calculated looking at the annual profit 
divided by your initial investment times 100. So it's a very simple equation. So your annual profit, okay, that's before tax, folks, okay, divided by your initial investment, and that's everything that's cost you to get that house. Refurbishment costs, legal costs, sourcing fees, um, state agency fees, anything, whatever it's cost you to get the house, deposit, etc. And then you times that by 100. So annual profit divided by your initial investment times 100. So in this case, the annual profit would be £2,340. The initial investment would be £46,500. So this would bring in a return on investment of 5.03%. How does that sound? Hmm? A bit better than the banks are paying, perhaps, but still not fantastic, is it, for professional investors? So let's look at the same property, but now we're going to convert it into a five-bedroom HMO. So the purchase price is the same. It's £150,000, okay? And after we've converted it, it's now going to be a five-bedroom HMO. And when we say converted, all we're doing is repurposing one of the rooms downstairs because this particular example has got a kitchen, a living room and a dining room. So we're going to turn either the living room or the dining room into a bedroom. So you need, you know, if you're going to start putting bathrooms and things in folks, you also got to remember, bit of a caveat here, that you do need building regs. Okay, so make sure that you do all of your due diligence and these are just examples for you. So let's look at the difference now in the numbers. So now you've got five bedrooms. Each room is going to give you £400 a month on average. That's where we are at the moment. So that's going to give us £2,000 per month gross income. So we always factor 10% allowance for voids and 5% for maintenance because you will get void no matter how good you are, at some point you're going to have voids. So factor 10% in and that will give you great wiggle room. Um, and if you're not void, even better because it's more money at the end of the year. And we also factor 5% in for maintenance as well. HMOs are going to be high maintenance by virtue. They've got lots of people coming in and coming out. So that's going to give us £300 a month for maintenance, 5% um, with 10% allowance for voids as well. So the mortgage is going to be £562 a month based on 6%. Okay, I know it's the higher end, but we need to do that. And we've got an all-inclusive model for HMOs, which means that we pay the bills for the tenants on a monthly basis. So that includes gas, water, electric, council tax for non-student houses, because they will be exempt, Wi-Fi, and we also provide a cleaner. So the bills come to about £350 a month, um, so the month, uh, the profit on this house per month for this example is going to be £788 per month. Now £788 a month, which is £9,456 per year, and we've allowed for a refurbishment of this property of about £25,000 in order to convert stamp duty of £5,000 and legal costs of £1,000. The deposit's the same, 37500 but the total investment now is £68,500, so quite a lot more because you've got to convert it to the HMO. But let's look at the return on investment now. So now it's an HMO, the annual profit is 9456 divided by your initial investment of 68500 which gives you now a 13.8% 
return on investment. Now, that's much better, isn't it? A much, much better return than the single let model. So back to my original question, why would you start with a buy to let property when you're paying for the same house that you could turn into an HMO and make so much more money. So that's, you know, I mean, <laughs> trying to dispel the rumours and the myths a little bit there. So don't worry about um, going into the HMO market. Yeah, there's a bit more to consider. I get that. But if you take the right steps and you read the right books and go on the right courses, if you want to go on a course, then there's absolutely no reason why you can't just jump in with HMOs. But like anything, you must make sure that you conduct your due diligence. So the first thing that I advise you to do when you're starting your HMO journey is to speak to a professional tax accountant. Now, if you can, try and get an accountant that is also a property investor, somebody that understands the market um, because they are more, uh, more open to some of the strategical ways that we can buy property and, and they understand the market. You know, it's quite a niche market. So speak to a tax accountant and get your company structure set up the correct way from the beginning. And it's better to do it this way than to try and reverse engineer everything at a later date and try and pick it all, um, pick it all apart again, because it can be quite uh, an intricate process. So make sure that you get the right tax advice right at the beginning. And then the next thing you need to do is choose your investing area. And some people do get a bit unstuck with it. Sometimes some people say, well, I'm a little bit unsure as to the supply and demand. Now, this is going to take a little bit of time. And there are many things that you need to consider. Does the area have Article 4 planning direction? And we'll go into this in a second. Does the area have any additional licensing restrictions? And is there enough demand in the area for your tenant demographic? So are you choosing to operate student lets? Um, are you going to go into the professional market? Are you going to go into the blue collar slash working market or LHA, which is local housing association? So what's the supply and demand, for example, for student rooms in your area? And if you're not sure, then you need to speak to the other people that are actually out there doing this at the moment. So the best way you can get these figures is go out and talk to the letting agents they're on the ground, they're doing this every single day in your area. And that is the best information you can get. And they're going to tell you the truth. Now, sometimes you might want to go into the Facebook groups and ask them, which is great. And people do generally like to help you. But if someone else is coming into their area, are they going to give you the right information? But with the letting agent, they're going to want to take your business, aren't they? So they're going to give you uh, warts and all. So the only the only way you can really do it, folks, is to speak to your local letting agents and ask them the question. Say, hey, Mr. Local Letting Agent, I'm thinking about investing in the area. I'm really interested in going to the HMO market. What's the market like at the moment for students and for professional lets? And they will tell you. Now, let's look a little bit about Article 4 planning direction. OK, because this very often gets confused with everything else. Um, Article 4 planning direction is not licensing, it is planning, okay? So I'm going to try and do this quite slowly because it's really important that you get this. And for those of you that do already know, then, you know, listen anyway because um, it's going to reaffirm all of your knowledge. So Article 4 planning direction is often confused 
with licensing, but it's totally separate. In areas that don't have Article 4 planning direction, you're able to convert a dwelling house, which is planning class C3, into a small house in multiple occupation, which is planning class C4. And this is up to a maximum of six sleeping people. Now, this can be completed under permitted development, which is contained in Schedule 2 of the Town and Country Planning General Permitted Development Order in England, 2015. In certain areas, local councils have decided to restrict any future development of HMOs by removing this. Ooh, get my tongue back in by removing this permitted development. Okay, and they use it under Article Four direction. Article Four direction, which takes away the permitted development rights in these areas. So. If you have Article 4 direction in your area, you would need to apply for planning permission in order to convert the property into a HMO. HMOs that were operating as HMOs before the introduction of Article 4, well, they've been given grandfather rights, provided that they are proven to have established use. So if you've got established use prior to Article 4 direction, and you can prove it, then you can continue to use that property as an HMO. Now, contrary to what you may have heard, Article 4 doesn't mean that you can't invest in these areas, but it may make it a little harder for you. You can still buy and you can still control HMOs that have already got the necessary grandfather rights, so it won't stop you from investing in that area. And if you use the director direct to vendor marketing campaigns that we use, then you can target existing HMOs. And if you've already got a property that was already in HMO or it's got the correct planning permission, then you can still trade that as an HMO. And, you know, uh, councils will still take applications for areas that do have Article 4. So don't think it's an automatic ban. It's just a little bit harder for you to be able to do what you want to do. Now, on the other side of the road, there's another office and that's where the licensing department sits. So this isn't planning, okay? It's a completely different office now, and they are the licensing department, and this is separate. So HMOs that fall under the following categories will need to be granted a mandatory HMO license. It's not planning permission. So a mandatory HMO license at the moment, this is subject to change, but at the moment, it's five or more people forming two or more households with shared facilities and over three or more floors. Now, that would constitute a mandatory HMO license. Let me go through that again for you. If you have five or more people forming two or more households with shared facilities and they are over three or more floors, then you will need a mandatory HMO license. Now, this is subject to change because we have had notification from the government that this will be altered imminently to five or more people forming two or more families with shared facilities regardless of how many floors. So five or more people forming two or more families with shared facilities, 
regardless of flaws, will shortly need a mandatory HMO license. Now, we're likely to see these changes implemented at some point during 2018. We don't know when. It could be April. It could be October. But it's pretty much guaranteed it's going to happen this year. Some areas in the country also operate something called an additional and selective licensing schemes, which may mean that if you have a HMO, and remember the definition of a HMO, three or more people forming two or more households with shared facilities, then you may need a license anyway. So the best thing you can do, get in touch with your housing team in your chosen area and ask if they have any of the above restrictions. Now, applying for a license, it might seem a little daunting, but it's not that bad. And most areas have an online application process. I've completed one this week. I've got about seven coming up in the next few months that I need to reapply for because uh, they're going to expire. And it took me about mm, probably about an hour from start to finish to apply for this license. And then, of course, it goes into the system and then you've got to wait for the council to contact you back for any further information. And licensing applications, although the price is going to differ throughout the whole country, for us, it's just under £1,400 per application and they last for five years. OK, so what's the next thing you need to do? Well, standards, the required standards that you need for your HMO. The best document that you can get hold of at the beginning of your journey is a document called the Amenities Standards Document for HMOs. And that will be in your area, of course. Now, sometimes it might be called something different, but very often it's called the Amenities Standards Document. So go onto your local area where you're looking to invest and download this document because that will become your Bible. Everything that is in that document you need to be compliant with when you are um, converting your property into an HMO. Even if you take on a property that is already an HMO, it's not necessarily going to be compliant to the current amenity standards. So be very careful, okay? Um, specifically with room sizes. If you're going into the rent-to-rent -rent model, you need to be very aware of the, the um, proposed changes for room sizes and you need to make sure that the rooms are going to be big enough because when the, um, the mandatory licensing regulations change, if you've already taken on this property, it will be um, potentially not suitable for its purpose at the end of the HMO license. So, you know, when you come to renew that license, you might not be able to use a room. So be very familiar with the room sizes. Now, we are expecting room sizes to be um, 6.51 square metres for single occupation. 6.51. And that will be mandatory. It's not discretionary. So if you're looking at the rent-to-rent -rent strategy and if your property doesn't have room sizes that are going to be um, five, uh, sorry, 6.51 square metres, then it might not be a deal for you. You might have to walk away. OK, really important, folks. So when you get your um, amenity standards, um, it will tell you everything else as well. So it will tell you your fire safety requirements and the management requirements and the health and safety requirements that you must adhere to. So get hold of the document, study it, OK, because it will have an effect on your deal stacking process moving forwards. So let's look at areas now. Which areas work well? So we need to try and get as close to the city centre as possible. And tenants really like to have all of the amenities close by. Things like restaurants, gyms, supermarkets and bars. 
but they also like to be close to public transport links and train stations. So if you're looking for students, then, you know, does the area have a sustainable university close by? It's always a great idea to call your university, ask them what their um, their student levels are like compared to last year. Are they growing? Are they getting smaller in numbers? And do they have any plans to increase their own student accommodation for second year students? Because sometimes they might. So that might, you know, sort of change your mind whether or not you go into the student market. And then we need to look at the house. Is the house going to be suitable? Will it be compliant to the new mandatory licensing regulations? Will the room sizes be large enough? Will it be a minimum of five bedrooms? So ideally for us, and this is very personal, very subjective, um, you know, we like to put, um, we like to have five bedrooms in all of our houses at a minimum, because if we have one void, then we know we're still making profit. If we have two voids in that house, we're breaking even. So we won't go below five for that reason. So it's a great rule of thumb for us that we've got five bedrooms and we need to make £500 a month minimum out of each house. Those are our investing rules. Um, we like to have double rooms so double rooms sell better so will the property lend itself to have double rooms even if they are for single occupancy as they sell better and tenants will stay for longer and we also need to have a communal room now that's not necessarily something that you want to choose to do providing your room sizes are big enough but we do like to have communal areas in our properties because we're trying to make the houses homes for people rather than just people having to live in their bedrooms continually now, the other thing I wanted to touch on, folks, and it's quite, um, quite fresh in my mind, that people are getting the strategies for HMOs mixed up. So people think HMO is a strategy and rent to rent is a strategy and lease options is a strategy. And somebody mentioned to me this morning, um, I've decided not to do HMOs. I'm going to go on and do rent to rent instead. OK, so it's all the same. <laughs> it's all the same. So HMO is the strategy. That is the strategy. It's a multi-let, it's a HMO, it's a house of multiple occupation. You can call it whatever you want to, but HMO is the strategy. Underneath that, on branches, you've got the funding on how you're going to get that HMO. It could be traditional purchase. It could be a lease option and it could be a rent to rent. So, you know, the three um, sourcing strategies are those three that I've just mentioned that will help you get to the HMO. So, yes, you know, there's different things to consider with the legal documents, but fundamentally they are all the same thing. So don't think HMO and rent to rent lease options are all completely different because they're not. They are just the way that you can source and fund your HMO deals. So HMO is the mother strategy of that everything else falls underneath. So that's pretty much it today, folks, for a cup of tea. Um, It's, you know, lots of things for you to think about there. And I know that many of you will know all of this anyway, but it's always good to get back to basics, to get back to the fundamentals and, you know, to make sure that you've got that legislation in the forefront of your mind. Um, So, folks, hope you enjoyed that. And we've got some great interviews coming up this month. We've got them lined up. Um, I can't tell you too much at the moment, but please watch this space and wait for uh, all those interviews to be dropped into your podcast folder. So thanks very much, folks, and hope you have a really great day.
If you are interested in any of our property mentoring services, then please contact me via my website, which is www.neweraPropertySolutions.co.uk. And please don't forget to take a look at my five times best-selling book, House Arrest. House Arrest is a manual for new property investors, which shows you how you can replace your income by investing in property. That's available on Kindle, it's available on paperback and it's also available on the Audible store.